0: Thank you again and once again, thank you for the uh, privilege of being able to stand here and open the word of God before my church family. Just better, much better. Uh, Please turn again to the gospel of Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, starting at verse 1. This is a very, very familiar passage to people. Everybody who's been to Sunday school will have coloured in pictures of Zacchaeus up in the tree. Everybody who's taught in Sunday school will have told the story of Zacchaeus up in the tree. This is a really familiar passage. Everybody knows the story of, you know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Right, you have done the song? Right. Whoop, whoop. And we tend to miss things because we look at this like a little Sunday school story. There are some really interesting and important things in this passage, which we'll be having a look at in a moment. Before we do, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you now that you will open our hearts and minds to this passage of Scripture. Teach us, we pray. Instruct us. In your word, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The first point I'd like to make is that this story is fundamentally linked to the one that went before. You go, it is, but it's in a separate chapter. No, 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 no. Have a look at some of the similarities between these two stories. For instance, we have, look back. In verse 35 of the previous chapter. And it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho. Have a look in chapter 19. And as Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. It's almost the same beginning. Then back to the other one. A certain blind man sat by the way begging. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Can you see these these two stories start? Very, very similarly. (coughs) We have two men, same place, same time. And yet while they are a similarity, there are differences about the two men. One was extremely rich. One was extremely poor. One had everything the world could offer. The other had nothing, yet both of them We're in need of a saviour. Have you ever stopped to consider that both of these men could not see Christ? One because he was blind, the other because he was short. But both of them had the same problem. They couldn't see Jesus. These are comparisons between the two stories. These are stories that are meant not to be separated, but to be looked at together. Maybe you've never put these two stories together and said, I'll oh, look at the similarities, but consider Luke did, because he put one straight after the other. So, other, other differences, consider the fact. Blind Bartimaeus cried out. Zacchaeus said nothing. And at the end of this story, the end of the story of blind Bartimaeus, everybody rejoices. The end of the story of Zacchaeus, everybody murmurs. But it's still everybody gets a mention. So these are things that I, I say it is well worth just to sit down sometime and put these two stories together side by side and consider the similarities between them. So verse one, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans and he was rich. Okay, he was the head of the taxation department. Now the head of the taxation department in, in Australia is a public servant, okay? So his, his wage is paid by the government. In Roman times, the head of the taxation department was a contractor who worked on commission. The more he taxed, the more he got. There's an incentive plan for you. So he was rich. Tax collectors were notorious for being corrupt. Not only corrupt, but even within the law, within what they were entitled to do, of being extortionate. They did not understand the concept of discretion. They did not understand the concept of letting something pass. No, these people let nothing pass. And every cent they could grind out of people, they did. Within the law and past the law. Because you think, well, you know, how, can I, how can a tax collector go beyond? Well, it's very simple. Once they'd got enough money to satisfy their bosses... They would say, well, look, you know, if you just cross my palm with silver, we'll just ignore this little tax invoice and you can be on your way. So they were corrupt. Worse than that, in the eyes of many people, they had betrayed their nation because they did not work for Herod, the king. They worked for the Roman government. They were tax collectors operating on behalf of an occupying army. They d- derived their authority not from the king of the Jews, but from the Caesar of Rome. So they were corrupt. They were traitors to their, the, to their, uh, their people. And they were traitors to their religion. You think. Traitors to their religion? Yes. Do you remember the story of the tribute money? Right? And Jesus said, bring me a penny. And asked whose inscription was on it. And they said, Caesar's. It's a picture of Caesar. And around the outside it had, in Latin... God, Caesar, God. You see, the Caesars were worshipped as a god. So the money had an image of a false god on it. To be a person who spent all your time handling Roman money meant you were virtually handling idols. That's why that tribute money was not accepted in the temple. That's why they needed money changes. Because the, the priest says, we will not touch Roman money. But people like Zacchaeus were up to their elbows in Roman money. So they'd betrayed the ordinary people, they'd betrayed their nation, and they'd betrayed their God. That's why, that's why publicans were hated. He was rich because he was the head honcho of the taxation department. And it says that in verse 3 that he sought to see Jesus who he was. Who he was. That's an interesting expression. Did he not know who Jesus was? Could there have been any person in Palestine during that time who had not heard about this traveling rabbi from Nazareth? No. Everybody knew who Jesus was, that he was a somebody. They weren't sure. Exactly what he was but they knew about him they knew he did miracles and some said he was John the Baptist risen from the dead and some said he was a prophet like Isaiah and Jeremiah and some were even saying that he's a he, he, he's the Messiah and the priests were saying no he's a he, he's a magician who does miracles by the power of Satan they might not be too sure exactly what Jesus was but they knew about him so what was Zacchaeus, after it says, he sought to see Jesus who he was. He sought to get it straight in his own head just who this Jesus person was. He wanted to have a good look at him and try and figure out just who he was. Which one of these characters was he? Was he a prophet? Was he a a teacher? Was he even the Messiah? Zacchaeus didn't really know and he wanted to see who this guy was. You know, God loves an honest inquirer. God loves it. Anybody who seeks to find out and honestly approaches the question, who is Jesus, will get an answer. For we are told Are we not? In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, that without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God promises If you diligently seek him, if you believe that he is and that you diligently seek him, he will reward that. And we see it happening with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus wanted to see who he was and he diligently sought him and he was rewarded. But I'll put it to you this this consideration. Is this the first time that Zacchaeus has ever seen Jesus? you ever thought about that? Now, as far as we know, this is the only time that Jesus came through Jericho. But we have to remember that Zacchaeus was the chief of publicans. He may have been in Jericho, he may have had a house in Jericho, but he would have travelled widely over Palestine. And I would put it to you, there's a very interesting verse a little bit earlier. Have a look back in Luke chapter 5. Incidentally, for those of you who like to look at literary styles, Luke has a habit of introducing a character and then dropping him and then picking him up later on. You watch the story, especially in Acts. Characters are introduced and then dropped and then picked up later on. Have a look in Luke chapter five, verse 27. It's the call of Matthew. And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi. That was Matthew's family name. He was named in our expression would have been his name was Matthew Levi. Sitting at the receipt of custom and said unto him, follow me. And he left all and rose up and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. Do you think that making that invitation to a great host of publicans, Matthew would not have invited his boss? For Zacchaeus was the chief of the publicans. I think not. We can't prove it, but I believe there is a very, very good chance that Zacchaeus had seen Jesus at Matthew's place. He'd been there and he'd gone back to his home in, in Jericho and it was gnawing at him. Who is this man? So he hears that Jesus is come And he decides, I will find out and I will look and I will see Jesus who he is. And I will get a grip on it. In fact, it's interesting. The words there, who he is, has a sense to wrestle with and resolve. Yeah. He says, I'm going to get hold of, I'm going to have a look at this guy and I'm going to wrestle with it. I'm going to resolve in my mind who this Jesus is. So he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, for he was little of stature. You know, sometimes you, you, you look at words and you don't need a translation. Don't let a translator. You don't need a, a, um, a thesaurus or a Strong's or anything as soon as you read this in, in the Greek because it says, because he was micros. He was micro, micro, little, little, not just little, little. I mean, we are looking at a man here who's probably the world's tallest dwarf. You know, he's, he's, he was micro. And what a magnificent way to describe someone. Luke's being very polite here, for he was little of stature. Now, he wasn't little. He was stumpy. He was short. He was a little guy. Maybe that's why he became chief of the publicans. You know, little man syndrome, Napoleon syndrome had to be the best at something. And that's why he became the, the, the head of the, this the particular thing. He was short. Or as they say today in our politically correct world, extraordinarily vertically challenged. Short, and he couldn't see past the people in front of him. May have been a big man in financial circles, but he was a pygmy in front of God. He may have been very powerful in society, but he was nothing in God's sight. He may have had all the wealth that the world could offer, but he was zero in front of God. Doesn't matter how big you measure up in the world. In God's sight, you can't see Him because you're little of stature. You don't measure up. Not big enough. You get to heaven, and when they measure your moral height, there's one of those signs that says, You've got to be above this height to get in. And you don't measure up. No one does. You're little of moral stature. You're short of what you should be. You don't make it. No one does. Without the grace of God, there is no lifting of the height barrier. He could not. Might have wanted to, but he couldn't. You might want to measure up to God's standard, but you can't. Why? it's just not in you. All the wishing and hoping and wanting couldn't make Zacchaeus any taller. No more than all the wishing and hoping and wanting can change the moral characteristics of fallen humanity. For without the grace of God, there is no changing of a person's moral standing. Like Zacchaeus, we are stuck being little of stature. And he ran before and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass by that way. A sycamore tree. A sycamore fig, actually, because they don't have sycamore trees as in, uh, in Palestine like they have in Europe or America. It was a sycamore fig. One of these days I will get round to doing it and doing a study of the fig trees in scripture because right from the Garden of Eden there's fig trees. In all these stories through scripture we keep finding fig trees. If you wanted to demonstrate peace and tranquility in a nation you said a man could sit under his own vine and fig tree. It was a fig tree that he, that he climbed here. Later on, it will be a fig tree, another sycamore fig that Jesus will curse on the way to Jerusalem. It's a fig tree. All over the, the, uh, the passages through Scripture, we find sycamore figs. Amos, the prophet, was a tender of sycamore trees. It was an orchardist in a sycamore fig plantation. They're all over the place in scripture. And here is one. Now, what did they look like? They were deliberately planted and allowed to grow along the roadsides. Okay. Furthermore, you were entitled to eat the the fruit of them for free. If you were passing by, That fruit was yours to pick and eat. You weren't allowed to take it away and do anything with it, not allowed to sell it, but you were allowed to pick it and eat it as a traveller's aid. They were there for shade, they were there for food, they were big, huge, but with very low branches. The branches came out very, you know, maybe a metre or so up up from the the ground. The, The branches would come out and very gently rise up. They're easy to climb. Sycamore figs, easy to climb up. So this little man climbed up a sycamore tree. You think, yeah, so? Now I want you to picture, who shall we see? Jamie Packer. Jamie Packer, with all that money, Climbing a tree to get a better look at a preacher. Does that strike you as a little bizarre? bizarre? You know, a little weird? Or how about the governor general shinnying up a tree to see someone? Because I'm, I'm trying to get here Zacchaeus was an important person with a certain amount of dignity and social standing that he totally and utterly threw away to see Jesus. The only thing that Zacchaeus had in the eyes of the world was money and social standing. We'll come to the money later. But he throws away his social standing to see Jesus. Isn't it strange? When they call blind Bartimaeus to come, that Jesus is calling for him, he casts away his garment and begging bowl and comes to see Christ. He casts away the only things he has. Both of these people threw away what they had in order to get close to, to Christ he got rid of his dignity didn't care what people thought because it was more important that he should get settled in his head who it was he was seeing so what did he see what did he see he got looked up there and he looked down and there's Jesus coming. Who's with him? Disciples? Oh yeah. I know that guy. Peter Bar Jonas. Yeah, I know him. He's, he's part of Zebedee and sons. Fish merchants. I can smell the fish still on him. I know him. Who else that guy? That that guy? Yeah. Simon Zelotes, the man looks like a terrorist. Well, he was. Who else is there? There's a young guy, John. He's barely more than a kid travelling with him. Who else is there? Well, as those guys. Yeah, I don't know that guy. And there's Matthew. My old workmate, Matthew. Still got ink stains on his fingers. Got bundle of parchments under his arm. He's probably been writing down this guy's sermons. Matthew's there with him. And who else? Bartimaeus. For it says that in verse 34 of the 43 of the previous chapter and immediately he received his sight and followed him glorifying his glorifying God. Blind Bartimaeus was there. He looks and he sees this group of people. And he looks and he looks. He sees his friend. He sees the blind beggar not blind anymore. And he looks and then suddenly he sees. Because there's a difference between looking and seeing. There's a difference between just looking at something and actually seeing it. You know how how often people have said to me, I just don't see it? Well, Zacchaeus had been looking and now he saw. You know how important it is to look? How important is it to look? There's a story about a man who looked. And he says this about himself. Sometimes I think I might have been in darkness and despair even until now had not the goodness of God sent a snowstorm. When I could go no further, I turned down a court and came to a little primitive Methodist chapel. There might have been a dozen people there. The minister had not come snowed in, I suppose. A poor man, a shoemaker or a tailor or something of that sort, went up in the pulpit to preach. He was obliged to stick to his text for the simple reason he had nothing else to say. And the text was, look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth. He didn't even pronounce the words right. He said to me, it is a very simple thing to look. It does not take a great deal of effort. It is not a work or a job. It's just a look. A man does not have to go to school to look. Man may be a biggest fool in the world, yet he can look. A man might be worth thousands of pounds a year or worth nothing, yet he can look. A child can look, and this is what the text says, look unto me. If you're looking to yourselves, there's no use there, for you'll never find comfort. He spanned these words out for about ten minutes, and then it was at the end of what he could say. And he looked at me, and I dare say with so few present, he knew me as a stranger. And he said to me, young man, you are very miserable. I was not accustomed to being addressed from the pulpit in this manner. But he was right. And he said, you will always be miserable in this life and miserable in death if you do not look, look. And he shouted as only a primitive Methodist can, young man, look, look, look to Jesus Christ. There and then the cloud was gone. The darkness had rolled away. And I saw the sun, for I had learnt to look. That is the story of the looking of of Spurgeon when he was saved. He learnt to look. And that is all that Zacchaeus did. He looked. He looked at Jesus and realised that things were never ever going to be the same. He didn't say anything. That'll come later. But somewhere up in that tree, looking down at Jesus, there was a change in his heart. What was it? We don't know. Tell you what, you get to heaven and you can ask him. You can go there and you can say to him, Zacchaeus, what was it that changed your heart? Was it seeing Matthew? Was it seeing blind Bartimaeus? What was it that changed your heart that day up in the sycamore tree? We don't really know, but we know something. He was changed. He went up a sinner and came down a saint. And when Jesus was come to the place, he looked up. Now here's a little piece of interesting Language for you says that he looked up. That is exactly the same expression in the previous chapter. When Bartimaeus says, Lord, that I might receive my sight. It's exactly the same expression. You could have translated that I might receive my sight that I might look up. Same words. This is no accident. He's drawing a parallel between these two stories. Jesus looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Now, I've never actually invited myself to dinner yet. Usually I'll wait till the host makes the offer. And and the whole thing was that Jesus would have received dozens of offers to eat at people's houses. And normally these things had all been organised beforehand by the disciples, where he'd stay and who he would eat with. It was a great privilege. It was an important thing. It was a a, a really, you know, it really lifted your social standing to have someone The the status of Jesus coming in to eat at your house. And Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus was told, today, Zac, it's you. Oh, and by the way, I'm bringing this bunch with me too. It doesn't say that, but it would have been understood that the disciples and those that were following were coming as well. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Yep. Lord, my place is your place. Come on in. It's yours. So he comes to Jesus' house. And when they saw it, they, there's always the they. The mass, the crowd, when they saw it, they murmured, saying he has gone to be guest with a man that was a sinner. True or false? Had he gone to be guest with a man who was a sinner? Yep, he had. He had gone to be guest with a man who was a saved sinner. And that's the difference. Jesus has always been the guest of sinners. Remember that as he comes into your heart, he's the guest of a sinner, a saved sinner. Now, normally, and this is interesting, normally when people make these sort of comments, Jesus defends himself and does a pretty good job of it. But he doesn't. Zacchaeus defends him. Interesting, isn't it? Zacchaeus was someone who stood up and said, no, you don't say things like this about my Lord. He stood and he said unto the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. Wow. That's big. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him to him fourfold. Where does that come from? Well, actually, it comes from Exodus chapter 22. If you look it up, Exodus chapter 22 says, if you steal a sheep, you have to give back four sheep. Okay. So he was obeying the law. You see, he wasn't obeying the law to get saved. He was obeying the law to show he was saved. And that was the whole point that people were misunderstanding the law. You didn't obey the law in order to be saved. You obeyed the law because you were saved. It was your way of demonstrating to God... That you were his, you obeyed the law. We have here, then Jesus' uh, commendation of him. And Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. A son of Abraham. Well, of course he was a son of Abraham. He was Jewish. No, not that sort of son of Abraham. If you look in in Romans chapter two, verse twenty-eight, it says. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly and circumcision that is of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. You don't become a child of Abraham just by being born Jewish. You are a child of Abraham, the father of all those who live by faith when your salvation comes in. When you trust in God, you become a child of Abraham. Verse 10, for the son of man is come to seek and save that which is lost. And you think, okay, well, yeah, right. Turn back again. Turn back again and have a look at what the disciples say after the account of the rich young ruler. For in chapter 18, verse 28, and they that heard it said, who then can be saved? And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And you can flick right over to to 1910. For the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which is lost. You want bookends? There you go. There's a bookend. First and last part of the the story. All that passage there about the rich young ruler and and the the healing of, of Bartimaeus and the conversion of Zacchaeus Answering is answering the question, Who then can be saved? And the answer is anybody. For with God, the things that are impossible with man are possible with God. From Bartimaeus, we see faith and grace extended, from Zacchaeus, we see repentance and confession. All these things are shown in these two stories, faith and grace and repentance and the confession of sin and the the desire to make things right. Who then can be saved? Anybody. Anybody can be. Who will be saved? Those who come before the Lord and admit their need and their guilt and turn to him in faith. You have two men here. One rich, one poor. One blind, one short. Both in need. Both who couldn't see Jesus and both saved. You know in these passages it's very popular to say oh look you see There's this sort of person here demonstrated and there's this sort of person here demonstrated. And you divide up all the characters in the story and ask yourself, well, where do you fit in? You know, seeing the sermon outlines where you do that, it's pretty common, not a bad method. So you say to yourself, in this story, where do I fit in? Well, there's Jesus. He doesn't change. He's always the Lord. Always the same. There's the disciples. Yes. We'd like to think that we're part, we're, we're, that's us, the disciples, following the Lord. There's the crowd, undecided, bit this way, bit the other way. Yep. The unsaved. And the Zacchaeus, seeking to know who he is. But I put it to you, there's another character here that you've maybe forgotten. Someone else. Without whom this story doesn't make sense. Without whom there is no story. The tree. The tree. Without that sycamore tree, there is no story of Zacchaeus. And the tree just stands there. The tree was willing to. To be walked on so somebody could see Jesus. The tree was willing to have someone climb all over them. So that Zacchaeus could see Christ. The tree had been planted there for many, many years. Doing nothing but growing till one time God needed it. And it was there. When it was needed, it was there. The tree had been patiently doing what it was supposed to do so it would be there for the one time God needed it. I wonder, are we willing to be trees? Are we willing to be sycamore trees? To be walked on so somebody can see Jesus? Are we willing to wait patiently where God plants us so that the one time we are needed for his glory, we're there, ready to be used? Without that sycamore tree, there is no story of Zacchaeus. How many of us, when we look at our own lives and our own salvation, If there wasn't that one person who was willing to get walked on to talk to us, to witness to us, the gospel would have never got through. How many of us owe our salvation to somebody who is willing to be a tree and get walked on? So when we look into this story... Yes. Where are you in there? Are you up in the tree wanting to see Jesus, who he is, inquiring? Praise God, because you will get an answer. God is always a rewarder of those who who diligently seek him. Are you like the crowd? Sometimes saying, oh, wonderful, look at this healing, and sometimes murmuring that Jesus is far too friendly with sinners. Are you like the disciples following Christ, but maybe not really understanding what is going on, but willing to stick with him? That's good. Or are you willing to be a tree? Are you willing to get walked on? You're willing to do whatever is necessary so that somebody can see Jesus. We look at ourselves. We look in the story. Where are we? following Christ, looking at Christ, or maybe up a tree trying to see Jesus, who he is. If you are wondering still who he is, then you talk to our pastor today and he will tell you about Jesus, who he is. And if you want some lessons in treemanship, how to be a good